What's going on, everybody? This is Andrew, and welcome to the Dawn of Sapiens podcast. I find it interesting that these days I can't get away from genetic determinism. You see it all over the news. You see it all over the internet. Uh, whether it's Alzheimer's, diabetes, height, or fast twitch muscles, it seems genes are the answer to everything. Genes are all the rage. And it made me think about how, in reality, no one actually cares about genes. What they really care about are the physical traits and the behaviors that these genes supposedly determine. And that's because phenotype is where the rubber meets the road. And it made me think how, in a way, genes have become more of a symbol than a physical entity. They've become a pawn in arguments and debates in both academic halls and your neighborhood bar. Obviously, there's truth to genetic determinism. But to me, this extreme view of genetic determinism is not only lazy, but it's pretty flawed. In his book, Freaks of Nature, neuroscientist and developmental biologist Mark Blumberg frames it this way, quote, we should recognize DNA for what it is, a molecule that helps provide the raw materials for development. Like I said earlier, no one actually cares about genes. They care about physical and behavioral features of humans and populations. And in this episode, I want to just briefly explore the ignored processes that take the raw genome and produce the adult human form. When the gene is put into context, its prominence will fall. But first, I should probably just briefly describe what a gene is and its relationship to the human genome. The human genome is 3 billion letters long, and genes are stretches along the genome that code for proteins, which are basically the building blocks of our body, the physical constituents that make up our body. The simplest way to describe how genes are transformed from bits of DNA to physical proteins is the following. DNA is transcribed into RNA, which is then translated into proteins. But if you've been led to believe or just assumed that genes are the driver of everything in our body and how it's constructed, this might surprise you. Genes only make up 2% of the human genome. And before the human genome was fully sequenced, researchers presumed the genome contained about 100,000 genes. This was based on the amount and variety of proteins found in our body. But in reality, the 60 million base pairs that make up the genes in our genome form only about 20,000 genes in total. But the researchers should probably be forgiven because there's some complexity in there that they weren't aware of. Um, there's a process that we now know as alternative gene splicing. And basically, genes actually consist of two components, introns and exons. After genes are transcribed into RNA, introns are clipped out before the remaining RNA segment is translated into proteins. But depending on various factors, the exons of a gene can be assembled in multiple orders and configurations. In other words, a gene can be manipulated to construct multiple types of proteins from the exact same gene. And this kind of helps to explain why our genome contains less genes than researchers originally expected. 
But still, for genes to only make up 2% of our genome, that's extremely small for the amount of importance we give them. It seems that the basic process of DNA to RNA to proteins is a little bit more complicated than uh, originally assumed. But it gets even more complex than that because it turns out that RNA is more than just an intermediate step between DNA and protein synthesis. Most people don't even realize how much is going on with RNA. 80% of the human genome is transcribed into RNA. And that's insane because none of those RNA molecules, other than the 2% that originate from genes, are transcribed into proteins. The amount of transcribed genomic material dwarfs the amount of transcribed purely genetic material. I mean, it's literally 2.3 billion base pairs compared to 60 million base pairs of genes. And scientists refer to this intermediate step to all these base pairs that get transcribed into RNA as the transcriptome. It's interesting to wonder why is all this genomic material getting transcribed if it's not then being synthesized into proteins? If it's, quote, junk DNA, then why bother and use up the resources to transcribe it in the first place? Regardless of the answer, these base pairs are being transcribed into RNA. And because of this, strands of RNA are floating literally within our cells and around our cells. I think the truth is probably that researchers are really just beginning to understand uh, the, the purpose and function of the transcriptome. But they do have ideas. They, they have uncovered some evidence as to what's going on. For example, RNA strands known as microRNAs are known to inhibit gene expression. Small interfering RNAs also silence genes. MicroRNAs can regulate a single gene or even multiple genes. Both microRNAs and small interfering RNAs result in DNA methylation. Those are the telltale signs of the famed epigenetics. On the one hand, the transcriptome loops back to the genome and shuts gene output on and off. But long non-coding RNAs also guide the developmental stages and cell differentiation of the embryo. The developmental stages themselves can regulate genes. Mark Blumberg points out that, quote, interactions between neighboring tissues stimulate changes in gene activity and produce new tissues. In this way, environment affects gene expression during development and throughout an individual's life. Quote unquote environment can mean many things on many levels. For example, what organ a cell is in influences its gene regulation. Nutrients received as a fetus or food eaten as a child, temperature, oxygen levels, presence of gravity, humidity, light cycles, and, and the time of inputs all affect gene regulation. To me, this 2.3 billion base pair long portion of the genome, that is the transcriptome, is the interface between environment and protein synthesis, or environment and phenotype, physical characteristics of the human body, or even a behavioral characteristic. It's telling 
that the portion of the genome that is responsible for protein synthesis is 39 times smaller than the transcriptome, which regulates genes. This screams that genes are a far cry from directing the phenotype of an individual. Blumberg says it best, quote, genes help provide raw materials for development. They are only one of many contributors to a complex and highly interactive system. And you know, regardless of what pop science has most people believing, and even what some academics believe or just assume, genes are not the recipe that allows a succulent dish to be crafted. They are the raw ingredients. Environment mediated by the transcriptome is the chef. Sure, what genes a person or animal possess defines the potential phenotype it might expect, but so does the environment and developmental cascades. Put another way, genes aren't the sheet of music responsible for a beautiful song. They're the guitar strings. How and when the strings are played and which notes they produce is dictated by a sheet of music or a musician. Genes are the instrument that allow development and environment to shape us into our final form. I'm not saying genes and mutations have zero predictive value. They obviously do. But they're only one of many elements that combine in a complex set of interactions and never-ending feedback loops to produce the human form and behaviors that we know today. Blumberg poetically describes the relationships of human development when he says, quote, Development is not a river of genetic information flowing inexorably downstream toward the creation of a biological form, but rather many rivers, tributaries, and eddies, a turbulent cyclical process involving gene regulation and protein synthesis. You know, earlier I said that no one really cares about genes. Unless you're a geneticist, what you're really talking about when you're talking about genes is features or phenotypes of individuals, groups of people, or populations of people. And I really just wanted to highlight that between the gene embedded within our DNA to the actual phenotype of a person, the actual physical form of an adult person, there's so much going on in between that influences that physical feature that physical form that to attribute it all to what's written in that DNA of, of the gene itself and the proteins it's coded for um, is not only a very simplistic way of viewing things, but it's just, it's not accurate. Explaining every feature behavior or uh, anomaly to a gene is just as often wrong as it is right. For every genetic mutation that causes a malformation of a person or a difference, there's just as often a developmental process that can result in the same thing or an environmental input that can result in the same difference or malformation. So attributing everything you see as genetic in origin is kind of misguided to me. Genes aren't blueprints. They're literally building blocks. The raw materials acted upon by environment, by developmental processes, developmental cascades, feedback loops between the transcriptome and the genome. At the end of the day, we're a product of these complex interactions between the genome, the transcriptome, developmental cascades, and environment. 
Each one is important to who we are. But to my mind, genes have been overemphasized. And that's really all I was trying to convey in this episode. Uh, It's a shorter episode, but to me, you can't really understand evolution unless you understand the functions of genes and DNA and development and environment. And to be honest, I kind of just wanted to uh, put the transcriptome on people's radar. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.